It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. We are, believe it or not, a quarter of the way through the football regular season. Uh, an interesting one last week and a huge challenge for Missouri coming up this week. We'll get to that, but first of all, we want to give a little shout-out to our sponsors. Track My Implants, that is medical technology, moving as fast as your smartphones. More and more people are receiving medical device implants such as knees, shoulders, hernia mesh, pacemakers, and more. These devices are saving lives, but just like your car parts, Sometimes they aren't working correctly and they have recalls. So if you or a friend has a device with a recall, you need to know immediately. Visit trackmyimplants.com to learn more and have peace of mind with notifications in real time. That is trackmyimplants.com, the sponsor of the powermazoo.com podcast this week. Also, Mark Skid, and we'll tell you a little bit more about Mark Skid in a little while, but tell you right now, you can go to markskid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. Enter the promo code POWERMAZOO for 15% off of your first order and free U.S. shipping. Do exactly what Mitchell Forty did last week and get yourself a new pair of Mark Skid underwear. That's right. It was a big moment. Life-changing. Absolutely. So speaking of life-changing, um... The closing minutes at Purdue took probably a few minutes off the lives of some people <laughs> listening to this. Yeah. We will uh we will break down Georgia momentarily, but just first of all, I don't know what you tell me, Mitchell, what's more that's Mitchell Forty, I'm Gabe DeArmond. Probably you know that by now, <laughs> but uh I what do you come out more on the side of? Either hey, they're three and oh and three and is where they were supposed to be, and so they're set up for the season that they hope they can have. Or oh my god, they're three and oh, but did you see the defense? Yeah. I mean if you I think if you had told me going into the season that, that they would be three and oh, no I would say, you know, no matter how you get it, that's that's good. That's the goal. I think that was what, you know, everyone would agree that that beating Purdue would, would kind of be the uh the first essential step towards you know, taking a, uh, a step forward this season, but watching the game, I mean, I, you know, I know I said it to you during the press box. I just kept saying like this defense is getting exposed and, you know, especially uh, how with how Purdue looked during the first two weeks of the season and playing a quarterback who probably wouldn't have started for them had Elijah Sindelar been healthy. Uh, it was it was a bit of a wake up call. So I'm I'm definitely not here to uh, tell everyone to panic, but I think that was more my reaction while watching the game was wow, this uh, this is going to be probably an issue going forward. Yeah, I come on the side more of, hey, they're 3-0, and and that's what they had to do, but the gap isn't huge. Mm-hmm. Um, the What happened in the Purdue game, for me, changes nothing about the next three weeks. Absolutely the next not. three weeks no. were always the hardest weeks of the season. Yeah. They will be decided underdogs in two of them, and I think an underdog in the third one. Mm-hmm. What it maybe changed my view of is Vanderbilt mm-hmm. and Kentucky – and Memphis, and Florida. Like, these are games, if you're going to get to nine wins, those are games that need to be wins. I'm now a little less confident that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, like, we, you know, Missouri showed some some positive things against Purdue as well. I mean, you know, Drew Locke played really well. The offense looks great still. So, you know, saying us saying that they're going to have to uh, have to outscore teams to, to win is not necessarily a, an impossible thing. They have the tools to do that. But, yes, I mean, you know, the, if, if – 
if the the, the defense continues to, to play at that level, they're, they're probably some of the, the games we had counted as likely wins, you know, be it against uh, against Kentucky or against Vanderbilt, or our teams like that are, are looking a little more uh, in doubt. So enough about Purdue. It is time now, uh, and I understand some of you will be talking about Purdue for another nine weeks, but it's Thursday afternoon, and so we're going to turn our attention now to Georgia. Kickoff against the number two team in the country at Faroe Field about 36 hours away. And we're going to talk about it with Anthony Dasher from UGASports.com. Has covered uh, the University of Georgia since like uh, 1937, something like that, Dash? It, it, it seems like it's been that long uh, every now and then. But yeah, it's been, I guess, since uh, 90, October of 96, I think, is when I started. So I know that... Um, some people who cover Georgia have maybe not been overly excited about the trip to Columbia, but I know that Anthony Dasher has because he's already made two <laughs> reservations at Q39. Yes. Yeah, game night. And I thank you for that. What, two years ago we came? Uh, you know, we're always – really we kind of went to, well, Kansas City to begin with just to get some good barbecue because we can't get out of Memphis or Tennessee or whatever. So you suggested Q39 to us, and it was an, obviously a, a huge hit. We actually went there twice last uh, in 16 as well, and uh, – with the game being early, I think we won't be able to do that again. I'm jacked. That is another <laughs> vote for the 11 a.m. kickoff. So we could talk like 20 minutes about barbecue, but I think most yes, people most people care more about football. So, all right, Dash, this Georgia team, I know they lost a lot off defense. I think they certainly got a huge bounce from, from running South Carolina off of its home field. Is this Georgia team as good as last year's? Well, I don't know if I'm quite ready to to say that yet, but uh, we're certainly seeing signs that the team you know, is going to be you know pretty good. You know, offensively, I'll, I'll give an example with that. Uh, you know, I did some I guess some research uh, last week. Uh, you know, people talked about the fact you know Georgia lost Nick Chubb, lost Sonny Michelle, the top combo in the history of college football. Uh, through three games last year, Georgia was rushing uh, rushed for an average of 230 yards per game through three games uh, so far this year, that average is up at 272 yards per game. That's minus, again, minus Chubb and Michelle. So uh, that's, 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 uh, that number kind of jumped out of me. I wasn't really expecting that. But uh, the dogs have really got, got it going offensively right now, scored over 40 points in all three of the contests. Defensively, I think there's still some questions uh, questions there. Uh, I, the defensive line is the same as they brought back pretty much everybody from last season. But I'm still uh, – a little bit of a question mark in my mind, anyway, about how they're going to do when they start matching up against you know you know real physical you know offensive line teams that they can run the ball effectively. Because we saw you know even even the first game against Austin P, they the governors had a, a you know minor bit of success. Now, granted, a lot of it was against the second and third team guys later on in the game. But last week, Middle Tennessee rushed for 153, which uh, kind of opened my eyes a little bit. So I'm kind of wondering what's what's going to happen once they start playing some more some you know some some teams who rely on the run. Of course, Missouri, <laughs> Drew Locke, I don't, I'm not sure how much they're going to you know, be sitting back and trying to pound Georgia you know, up the middle in, in this ball game. But that's an area that I'm waiting to see kind of what happens for uh, I know what the defense is, uh, is it may be being as good as last year, but the potential certainly there. I mean, the guys that, uh, you know, they lost, of course, Roquan Smith, uh, you know, Gavin um, uh, um, Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter, guys who are all in the NFL right now, but they replaced them. All these guys are being replaced by four and five-star kids that had waiting in the wing, just young guys who haven't had the experience yet, but they're getting it right now. 
you, you you touched on this a little bit, you know, just about the defense. But last last season, you know, Drew Locke was able to uh, able to to kind of hit a few deep balls. He, yep. he ended up with a pretty solid style. I think threw for four touchdowns. Do you think uh, that you know this uh, iteration of the Georgia defense is could be susceptible to those same uh, type of uh, you know down the field passing plays? Well, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm, it is a young a young secondary in some respects. I mean, they do have a freshman cornerback this year, Tyson Campbell. Uh, again, I, I keep, hate to keep throwing out five star and all that kind of thing, but he's another five star kid they had from Florida that they signed. That he's, he's been pretty effective. He was a uh, fooled pretty badly in South Carolina. Had Debo Samuel throw a wide receiver pass that he bit on and wide open open for a score. So I'm sure that's something Missouri is looking at. See if they can expose him in some way, you know, shape or form. They also got a sophomore, I say, through Richard LeCount, who uh, you know when he first came up with a little bit of uh, one of these kids who just was was always eyeing the big hit, see what he could do to make a big play. He's kind of reeled in a little bit to be able to play a little more under control so maybe he won't be quite so uh as excitable as maybe he would have been you know this time uh a year ago but yeah but again we'll see georgia hasn't really been tested that's really kind of hard to sit here and say but uh again based on what missouri did last year of uh with hall having those two what 63 yard touchdown uh you know catches uh, from, from drew and uh and um so so yeah i think they're probably going to take some shot i think they might have a little bit of success but as far as this secondary, how it matches up to last year, I'm still waiting to find that out myself. Dash, offensively, I've had a lot of people ask me this week, again, talking to Anthony Dasher from UGA Sports, I've had a lot of people ask me, because of what Purdue did last week, is Georgia going to come in here and try to air it out? I, my opinion is I don't think so because that's not what no. Georgia does. I think Georgia's plenty confident in its running game that like they're going to run the ball a lot. And Yeah, Jake Fromm's going to take some shots, but – they're, yeah. they're not going to turn into an air raid team. Uh, you no. know, what's your take? No, not, not at all. I mean, Georgia's going to do what Georgia does, and that's going to run the ball to set up play action. That's what they've done uh, really going back, even when Mark Rick was still the head coach. That's certainly Kirby Smart's, uh, you know, uh, deal. I mean, they're going to try to ground the ball out, try to use that big offensive line to, to weigh down on Missouri's D-line. D and, 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 again, keep Drew Locke off the field. That's probably They think that's probably going to be their best uh, – best weapon in this ball game but they will take some shots of this receiving core i do think the receiving core is uh is deeper than last year they've already had five kids who've caught who've scored touchdowns uh uh wide receivers that is last and they had five all of last season and that's not even counting guys like a uh, terry godwin who's a lead receiver last year has been hurt but he's back uh i think pretty much 100 percent for that particular ball game so uh they've got this year a weapon i think they will take some shots but no they will not turn into uh it will not be an air raid game for georgia Speaking of uh, throwing the ball, I know that you know Jake Fromm hasn't been asked to do too much this season, but when he has thrown the ball, he's been incredibly efficient. I think his completion percentage is somewhere higher than eighty percent, which is just ridiculous. Uh, how does you know this this year's Jake Fromm maybe compare? How is he different than uh, than the the player that that kind of took over last season? I think just confidence. I mean, he was pretty confident as a true freshman. But that's even the. Uh... I think even more so, uh, you know, so far this fall. I'm like, he's 37 to 46, uh, but 479 yards, six touchdowns, only been picked off one time. Uh, so he, I think just the fact he's got just a total control of the offense, coach out 100% confidence, he's able to change plays, and uh, he, he's doing a much better job of looking off receivers. And maybe that was a problem at early on last uh, last year, but so far this year hasn't been the case. But also, I think Missouri needs to be pay attention to Justin Fields as well. They've been playing. <laughs> The true freshman, uh, a pretty good little bit. Of course, Justin uh, brings a little different dynamic to the quarterback position in mm-hmm. that he can't run the football, something Georgia has not had at that position in since 2005 when uh, D.J. Shocker was quarterback. Because that's an area, too, that uh, I'm sure Georgia will probably look to exploit the, the Tigers a little bit with. Tell me what you think of this, Dash. I think the key players in this game 
play tight end for both teams. I, I think you're watching three NFL tight ends in this game at least. I don't know. You know, Georgia might have some other guys uh, down on the depth chart that will play in the NFL too. But on on Missouri's side, like I think Georgia is is probably confident with uh, with their secondary that they can play some man coverage and, and take some of what Missouri does away. I think Drew Locke's going to have to use Albert Okwe Bunam and, and Kendall Blanton over the middle. On the other side, Purdue throwing against Missouri linebackers last week was 19 for 21 for 290 yards. And if I'm Isaac Nata, I am telling Kirby Smart, I want the ball on every play. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we've been saying that Georgia's going to focus the tight ends uh, for the last two years, but so far, uh, I have not done a ton of that. Uh, uh, but now they're certainly capable. We've seen him make some big plays uh, before. And, and the fact that Jim Cheney, offensive coordinator this year, is specifically coaching the tight ends, maybe that will lead to something. But uh, so far, though, they haven't really. Uh, you know, thrown a lot to the to Isaac Nowder or Charlie Warner. So, but uh, again, that's something I always change. It's always part of the game plan. But uh, and after what they saw last week, uh, maybe they will take some more chances. I've seen this uh, you know, written about quite a bit in Georgia circles this week, and it, it may be you know a tad overblown just because teams they've played haven't uh, you know haven't haven't really had much success and been dropping back too much. But the, the Bulldogs only have one sack this season, which yeah. I know has people concerned. Missouri's in a very similar uh, position that Gabe wrote about this morning where they're really struggling to generate a pass rush. What what do you think uh, or what do you expect Georgia might do to, to try to uh, try to get some pressure on Drew Locke? Do you think that they will uh, that they will bring some some maybe more creative blitzes or do you think that they feel comfortable, you know, dropping a bunch of people back in coverage and uh, and, and letting that do the job? Yeah, I, I think you'll see, uh, you know, Mel Tucker maybe try a few more things. Of course, last year, Georgia didn't sack Drew Locke either. So, I mean, this wouldn't be uh, something totally unusual if they didn't get him uh, mm-hmm. again, again again this season. But I, I do think you'll see Georgia maybe will change some things up defensively, uh, maybe blitz a linebacker or two, something, again, they have not done at all. Have done, actually, actually haven't done any blitzing, period, so far through three games. It's been a pretty vanilla, you know, defense for Georgia. Just, uh, you know, a lot, a, lot, a lot of nickel, a lot of dime, and, 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 and force, you know, teams to try to beat them deep, which so far they haven't been able to, to, to really do. So you may see more of that. Again, it just kind of depends on how the game goes. But uh, I do think you'll see, uh, you know, Georgia try to get something going more of the pass rush. Like I said, one sack, uh, which I think uh, ranks next to last in all of FBS so far this year through three games. I don't know if Missouri fans like me saying this, but I've said it all week. If they don't like it, they already don't like it. So, I mean, if Georgia plays well, Missouri can't win this game. If Georgia comes in, plays an A game, Georgia's going to walk out with a win. The only question is going to be the margin. I, I think maybe a Missouri fan's hope is, hey, Georgia went in. The the one team that was really supposed to be the main contender in the East, they, they blew them out on their home field. Maybe they come in and, and just kind of assume they can roll their helmets out and, and get more of the same. I think they probably don't because you correct me if I'm wrong. If Georgia wins this game, Dash, you're probably booking a hotel room for Atlanta, right? Because I, I don't know who else could. I mean, if Missouri wins and, and could go to South Carolina next week, then then you're looking at tiebreaker situations favoring Missouri. Yeah. But if Georgia wins this game, Georgia's not losing twice in this league. I, I don't think so. I mean, that's not being braggadocious just based on what I've seen this and what they've got coming up. Uh, next week, Georgia has Tennessee and then Vanderbilt. I mean, those are going to be two wins. I don't think I'm 
stretching anything by, by it, saying that. It, it, you that, don't think Jeremy Pruitt's got it got it all the way turned around quite yet. <laughs> has not got a snowball chance in hell to win this ball game against Georgia. I'll say that I'm down a piss of Tennessee fans off now. Hey, that's real that. easy that to do. Yeah, don't worry about we it. We do that all the time. Yeah, that is absolutely the, the truth right there. Of course, uh, what I'm looking forward to, let's go into Baton Rouge here uh, and later on in about what, three or four weeks. That's mm-hmm. going to be one of uh, LSU's, uh, you know, I guess, resurgence, if you want to call it, by beating Auburn last week. I'm really excited uh and of course, they do play Auburn, and but that game's in uh, at Sanford Stadium this year. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if Georgia can win this game here, I think the East is, you know, is pretty much going to be for the taking unless they just lay an egg. But one thing about this team, though, you know, you talk about you know, uh, you know how some teams can go out, think they can roll their helmets out on the field. Honestly, I've not noticed any kind of uh, that kind of thing, you know, going on with this team since Kirby Smart has been has, has been the coach. Uh, they practice, they practice harder. They, they make they make practice harder than what the games are. And that's kind of kept uh, any of the, you know, self-pats on the back, kind of kept that kind of thing in check. And, and the mantra at Georgia is uh, just control what you can control. You know, play to, play to your own level of expectation. Don't even worry about the opposition, what the score is. And you do that, and think, they think they'll come out okay for them. So we, we know that, uh, obviously, Georgia's a, about a two-touchdown favorite. Um, you know, what, what, what kind of, in your opinion, has to happen for Missouri to win this game? Is it one of those situations where it's like, you know, 17 offensive players for Georgia have to get hurt, and they turn the ball over 27 times, and Missouri scores three times on special teams. Or is it one of you know one of those games where, uh, you know, maybe a few bounces of the bounces of the ball go Missouri way, and, and that you know they, they'll have a shot at this thing. Well, like I said, I'll, I'll start by saying I think Missouri is going to score some points. They scored 28 points in Athens last year, and I, you know, and Gabe, I saw your prediction, obviously helping out with our, our five questions. Do you think scores going? They going to score like 35 points? That wouldn't stun me whatsoever if that were to happen, but uh, I think for Missouri to win this game, Georgia will have to turn the ball over in some way, shape, or form. Maybe Missouri gets a special teams uh, touchdown, but uh, uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm probably going to go something very similar. Gave them like 45 to, to 30 something along the line. Hadn't made my official prediction yet, but uh, kind of what I'm looking. But it's a game, though. Again, I, I, I told you before before the season started that Missouri was my team. Uh, when everybody asked about a surprise team, somebody could kind of you can make me sneak up a little bit. I, I thought it's been the Tigers all year long because of. Uh, Again, mainly because of Drew Locke and what he brings in that receiving core of Emmanuel Hall. Uh, very, very dangerous to anybody's look overlooking, but which I don't think Georgia will. Yeah, you touched on it a little there, but I, I want to get you out of here with this. Um, I and look, I think every fan base is this way. Missouri fans every week are convinced that the other team has no respect for them, and and the other team's media thinks they're terrible and all that. I mean, I I watched Kirby Smart's press conference. I thought he was over the top in his praise for Missouri, and like everything yeah. I've seen from the Georgia side is. Hey, this is the best offense we're going to see until Atlanta, and this is probably the oh, yeah. th- this game and this game LSU and Auburn are the only thing that can keep this Georgia team from being twelve and zero going into that game. No, no doubt. I, I think without question, Drew Luck's the best quarterback Georgia's going to see until you know again if they get to uh, get to Atlanta. I know they face uh, you know Stidham and Auburn, but he he did not really impress me much last year. I know Drew Lock is uh, the real deal, and Georgia does too. So uh, yeah, from from that standpoint, I think Georgia thinks they're facing the best. The, the best uh, offensive challenge you're going to see up, up until that championship game. All right, well, Dash, enjoy the uh, enjoy the brisket or the ribs or whatever it is, and we can uh, everything caravan down I-70 early on Saturday morning. That's right, early early wake up call on Saturday. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, have a good one, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Hey, see you guys. Anthony Dasher from UGASports.com, and like, I mean, look, that's right, Georgia. If Georgia doesn't have a turnover, forget it. Yeah, this, this game's over. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, 
anything can happen in college sports. That's that's kind of the beauty of it. You know, home team maybe comes out fast. It's 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 this is not like the uh, the game at down on Tuscaloosa a couple of weeks where you say they got no chance. You know, right. there's there's definitely a chance, but I think uh, I think it would take it would take some some special uh, special circumstances. The one thing I I'm gathering from uh, from you and my picks and and now Dash's picks is uh, is apparently if you're a, if you're a gambler bet the over because I think yeah. we're all well over. Well, I think I looked actually yesterday when I was making my prediction it was like in the mid 60s. I think we're all looking at a total well over that. I, I think it's over that no matter what because I think either Missouri's putting up points and so you're getting into the 70s or 80s, <laughs> or like Georgia won 51 17. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. absolutely. But yeah, I think so. The Georgia and the Alabama game will will kind of finish up here with this. A, I look at these, like Alabama, if you play Alabama in Tuscaloosa a hundred times, maybe you win twice. Yeah, one or maybe. two. Maybe. Yeah. Um, like, this isn't quite that. You're playing Georgia at home. It's your biggest game of the year. It's going to be sold out, all that. So you play this game ten times, Missouri wins one or two, I think. Mm-hmm. They just need Saturday to be the one. Right, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh yeah, I think I think we we pretty well covered it, but it's gonna take uh, it's gonna take Drew Locke having a great game, and it's gonna take getting to Jake Fromm and forcing some turnovers. We want to take just a minute before we move on and talk a little more Mizzou and National College football to draw your attention to Mark Skid. Mizzou fans, make your mark on the world while the Tigers do it on the field. All you have to do is switch your underwear. Believe it or not, that's all you have to do. To Mark Skid, the new eco-friendly underwear company started by one of you, a Mizzou fan. You go to MarkSkid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com, and order a pair of underwear. And $4 from that order will go to your choice of any four-star charities. You can choose to save, feed, or cure the world. One pair of underwear from Mark Skid provides safe drinking water to a person for seven years, feeds a child in the developing world for 12 days, or vaccinates two children. So make your mark on the world this season. Use the checkout code POWERMAZOO. That is one word, POWERMAZOO, for 15% off your first order and free shipping in the United States at M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. We'll now continue to talk a little bit of Mizzou, a little bit of Georgia, but look around SEC and around what's happened in college football. And uh, a name a lot of you guys will recognize because the uh, the most common career path in journalism is the Columbia Tribune to Sports Illustrated, and that is uh, Ross Dellinger joining us now. Actually, took the job as, as SI's uh, national college football writer before this year. So, first of all, uh, congratulations, Ross, and, and how do you like the new gig? Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been uh... – it's been great. Uh, it's, uh, it's different, you know, I've got a kind of, uh, been a beat writer for, uh, you know, 12 years or so in my, all my career as a sports writer and now switching over, be, be more of a, um, just, uh, national kind of, you know, features, whatever you might say, but, you know, and not writing, not writing a story or two a day, but maybe writing two or three stories a week and, and uh, it, it's nice, but it also takes a little bit of adjustment. But uh, you get to spend a little more time on stories, and that's always good. Yeah, well, I mean, we like the ones where the game games end at midnight and we just bang together a story and don't even know what we wrote, like last Saturday <laughs> night. But uh, so it, we'll, we'll just touch on this one. We talked a lot about Missouri-Georgia before you came on. Um, obviously, you've got some familiarity with both programs, haven't covered the SEC for a long time. I mean, the the 30,000-foot view of this one is 
Yeah, on the right day, Missouri could probably win this game, but Georgia's going to probably have to play kind of poorly for it to happen. I mean, that that pretty much how you see it? Yeah, I do. Um, it's kind of one of those games where you you just feel like uh, if they played 10 times, Georgia would probably win eight or nine of them. Um, so there's, there's just that, that maybe one game where, um, where, you know, Georgia turns the football over maybe two or three times and, Missouri plays really well, and they win a close game, you know. And outside of that, though, um, you have the other eight or nine times that, that Georgia just just does what it's been doing for the last year, year and a half, and that's just kind of roll through the competition with a, uh, you know, a, a run-heavy uh, ball ball hog offense and, and a defense that Kirby Smart has created over there that um, – Reminds a lot of coaches in the industry. I was talking to a couple of them before the season of Alabama. So that anytime you can create a defense that reminds other coaches of Alabama, you've probably done a good job. Anytime you can create anything <laughs> that reminds other yeah. people of Alabama. Yeah. Ross, uh, you know, obviously you've you've kind of been monitoring and watching uh, teams and players from from throughout college football this year. Uh, you know, um, among Missouri fans, Drew Locke has, has obviously gotten a lot of uh, a lot of hype this offseason. But have you kind of seen his his national profile really start to uh, increase in after these first uh, three games of the season? Well, yeah, even before, you know, it seems like <clears throat> over the uh, over the off season, uh, just during the summer, I was at SEC Media Days, and uh, Drew Locke was was kind of uh, the, the talk there. You know, about is he the best? quarterback in the league and, and this this year in the SEC this is a pretty dang good year for quarterbacks in the league uh, most of them if they're not prolific or or really experienced um, they're just you you know young hot shots uh, that that came in with big time recruiting numbers high school numbers and things like that and uh, for for drew to then even before this year be talked about as the best um, you know the buzz was the buzz was there already, and uh, now through, you know he's leading leading Missouri to undefeated stretch here. Uh, it's just kind of grown bigger and bigger. So certainly on a national scale, I know we had a we actually had a writer I think in town in Columbia this earlier this week doing doing something on Drew. So um, he's uh, yeah he's he's kind of a name uh, in even you know before last season or a year ago say he wasn't you know so it's it's kind of kind of come out of nowhere but that's what happens i guess when you you break all those records like you did last season the talk this summer was it who's the best quarterback in the sec drew locker jared stidham and and people kind of had to uh you know yeah he's on the fringe of that conversation but let's see him do it for more than a half uh i i think right now it's certainly drew locker or to attack of Aloha at at alabama and i'm not really all that interested in which one's better than the other one. I think they actually both have a chance to be a number one overall NFL draft pick, but I, I got uh, I got in a conversation on Twitter. I'm interested in, in seeing what you think about it. I'm pretty confident if you put Drew Locke behind center at Alabama, like I still think they've got a really good shot to win a, a national title, and I think he's got a really good shot to win a Heisman Trophy. I mean, I, I think they're pretty, uh, as far as their profile goes and, and how well they play, I think they're definitely one-two in this league. No doubt, but you know, if you put Ross Dellinger behind center, exactly. Alabama, they got a pretty good shot That's too. My point. And it's yeah. really unbelievable. I mean, I, I was at the uh, why I decided to go to this game, I do not know, <laughs> but I did go to, L to Alabama, Ole Miss, and it was a 
it was a tight one for all 11 seconds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, and then it, Ole Miss just, will always like have scrimmage. those 11 seconds. Yes, they'll always have that, that first play of the game, that 75-yard touchdown, and then that was it. From there, it was all tied. And, you know, they, they played three different quarterbacks in the game, and all of them, I believe, let scoring drives, if not multiple scoring drives. Um, it's just an unstoppable force. Um, so – but I think I understand what you're saying. I I I completely agree um, that uh, that that Drew and Tua are are one two in in some order in in the league. And uh, you know, and Drew has got a chance to prove um, by beating you know a, a Georgia defense that's very good and one that I think he put up some pretty good numbers on last year. He's got a he's got a shot to. Um, to prove that he's right there, you know, that he's still right there, and that um, who knows, maybe he'll he'll be, I don't know, thought of as better than 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 to uh, at the end of the year. This is a big game for that. We'll kind of probably circle back to uh, Missouri and Georgia here in a minute, but uh, working our way around the SEC, uh, Ross was a covered LSU between his times at uh, in Columbia and at Sports Illustrated, so we would be remiss if we didn't ask him, Ross. Uh, did you see this this start coming from LSU at all? I know you know before the season they were talked as, about as maybe a uh, a team that might be a little bit overrated. And and do you think that that they're a real uh, college football playoff contender? Yeah, well, I didn't see the no, I didn't didn't see three and L coming. There's uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of entered the season thinking LSU would would be good to win eight games. Uh, they've just lost so much on offense and. We all know their defense was going to be good. Um, not sure I knew it was going to be maybe this good. Uh, but they just lost so much on offense. And they're breaking in a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator that I didn't expect they could do enough offensively. And they haven't done a ton, but, but they've done enough. Um, and, and Dave Aranda's defense has been there. And their kicker, you know, that's I was just – just on the phone with a, a, a coach in the ACC, and he was talking about how, look, you know, LSU's quarterback, he's not great. We all see it. He's got he's got some problems, and LSU's offense isn't that great either. They're winning games because of their defense and their kicker, and uh, I think he's right. Um, and I don't know how long that's going to survive. You know, I don't know how long that's going to last. So it'll be interesting to kind of to follow them to see if they can can keep it up. Last last SEC centric question for me anyway. Does it feel to you like the one team nobody is talking about here is Mississippi State? Uh, they've looked really good through three weeks. They have. Yeah, you're right. I might end up finding myself up in Starkville, I think, next week for the for the Mullen Bowl, um, Florida at Mississippi State. That should be a um, one kind of uh, oozing oozing some juice. But you know, State can can. Uh, I think yeah, I, they they have been. A little underrated so far. Uh, uh, the team that you know everybody's talking about in the SEC West is either Alabama or LSU, it seems, and they're not not looking at the Bulldogs. And they can prove something this week. You know, they 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 have a game against the Kentucky team that won at Florida, and that's undefeated as well. And it's um, I, I'm trying to think of the the biggest Mississippi State Kentucky game. Uh, before this, and it's, it's been a while, you know. Like I'm usually, not sure that's not one you yeah. circle. <laughs> you know, maybe during basketball season in the early 2000s, you might have circled it when Stansbury was at Mississippi State, and they were they were winning pretty good against Tubby Smith in Kentucky. But outside of that, I I can't remember Mississippi State Kentucky meeting 
uh, in football that's, that's had so much at stake. So it's a big one for them this week uh, to kind of propel them uh, into that big game against their former coach next week. Ross, Missouri's got its uh, toughest three opponents, most likely back-to-back-to-back these next three weeks where it plays uh, Georgia at home and then at Alabama, at uh, South Carolina. There's a there's a bye week in there, too. But, uh, you know, after that, there, there's, you know, really people who are kind of talking about, you know, Missouri probably being favored or, or should possibly win each of their, their games after that on the schedule. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, of, of the SEC teams remaining, you got Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. Have any of those teams jumped out to you so far as a, as, as a team you say maybe to watch or that, that might be Missouri's biggest test? Not really. It's been it's been rough at those places. Uh, you know, I, I before the season uh, at, at SI, we did this little like uh, uh, we picked basically what we thought would be the best uh, season win total over under to choose from in the SEC, and I picked Arkansas at five. And that looks terrible now. Uh, I mean, it, <laughs> just it say just, you picked just the looked, under. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh, uh, I just <laughs> didn't expect uh, them to to lose to Colorado State, and certainly not at home to North Texas, and certainly not um, getting duped on a fake <laughs> fair catch call. Uh, that was amazing, playing though, college football. Texas. I know it wasn't. It was incredible. It was fun writing about that earlier this week. It was really cool. Uh, but I, yeah, those teams, man, they. It, it, you know, Florida losing at home to Kentucky. And the, the most impressive of all those probably been Tennessee. Uh, they kind of hung in there in the third quarter, fourth quarter with West Virginia to open the season. Um, they're sitting there at two and one, and they've got a big one this week too. You know, they've, they're they going to host Florida. And that, that kind of feels like a game where you tell a lot about um, what Jeremy Pruitt has done up there. You know, if they can pull that one off. Um, and, and Florida has its issues, I know, but they can pull that one off. That'll be a huge step in the right direction. We'll finish up here, but you mentioned your story on that on that fake uh, fake punt, and uh, I want you to tell me if this was relayed correctly. I actually I haven't read that yet, but I heard about it on another podcast that the officials told uh, the North Texas special teams coach that he was going to get his returner killed, and the coach said, well, you know, the kid's okay with it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it it is it is crazy. It really was. Uh, you know, they met. It's not it's not uncommon for right. head coaches to meet with officials. You know, before the game and kind of be like, hey, look, you know, look out for this. We might do this. Watch this. Uh, but but in this case, it was an assistant, a special teams coordinator, at North Texas, that met with the officials and and he laid it all out. This is what we're gonna do. Uh, we are going to fake a fair catch and then we're gonna run with it down the field and. The officials looked at him wide-eyed, he said, and, and said, Coach, you're going to get this kid killed. And he's like, hey, the kid's on board. We're going to try it out. <laughs> and they did, and it worked, and it was, uh, it was incredible. And, you know, he, did, he met with the officials because, one, he wanted to make sure it was all legal and everything. And, right. two, he, the biggest thing is he didn't want an inadvertent whistle right. to blow. Um, and it, it's funny because they got the play kind of from Ryan Switzer uh, at North Carolina, he did it two or three years ago in a play against Wake Forest, and a whistle blew because the officials thought he waved his hand, and they called him for a penalty because you you can't obviously fair catch and then run, and so they thought that's what he did. When you look back on the replay, he actually didn't. He they were running the same kind of play, and the the the, the officials ruined it. So this North Texas special teams coach, he was making sure that wouldn't happen. 
Well, fortunately, that young man did not have to lay down his life for North Texas football. <laughs> we appreciate that. Uh, Ross, we'll get you out of here with this. I've, I've talked to a few people about this over the last last couple weeks, and I'm going to let you just fix college football here in the next two minutes. We are three weeks into the season, and I can tell you right now that the playoff is some combination of Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Clemson. Like, it's going to be a shock if anybody not in those six teams gets in. I is there some way to make the regular season a little more interesting beyond week two? Yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't know, man. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough because I, I agree with you, you know, certainly Ohio state and Alabama and Oklahoma to me are kind of far and away on another level. And Alabama's really, I think on another, another level, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's just, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, we, we always have upsets, and, and we'll see how the season kind of plays out. But you're right. It, it already it's like, well, these, you know, you can you can you can count these 120 teams, 125 teams out, and you're left with like five to seven teams. Now, I don't necessarily you have more faith in LSU than I do. I, I don't necessarily think LSU is in that mix. But I don't think they, they, they can get be, there. But yeah, the, what they've done so far gives them at least the opportunity to be right in their schedule. You know, it sets up. I mean, it's a tough schedule, but if they get through it, they'll be there because, you know, they got Georgia and Alabama at home. They'll play in the SEC championship game. So they've got uh, the, the next six weeks, seven weeks for LSU. You know, they got three games in a row against Mississippi State, Alabama, and Georgia. So that, that, that'll that settle a lot. Yeah. Well, Ross, appreciate it, man. Where are you, uh, where are you headed this weekend? I'm actually, for the first time this season and for the first time in years, Got to be at home on a Saturday. Um, oh, that's amazing. So yeah, I'm just taking off, and and uh, I've had I've traveled a lot the last couple months, and so they're gonna they're gonna just let me kind of chill. There's no really great games in my kind of general area, so I'll be at home, and I'll probably uh, might have a drink in my hand. <laughs> that shocks those of us that know you, but I uh, hope you enjoy know, it, right? <laughs> All, All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks Ross. Ross. All right. Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, uh, good dude. And uh, I, I think he's still down in the New Orleans, Baton Rouge area. Like you said, he covered LSU. And uh, I think we covered everything, man. I don't even yeah. think there's anything left to we talk about. We even talked about the North Texas punt returner putting his life on the line for the mean green. <laughs> I, I mean, who among us would not be willing to lay down our lives for North Texas football? Yeah, I, uh, I you know, I, I would lay down my life for the Power Mizzou pod. No, I wouldn't. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> yeah. it's enjoyable. Well, uh, hopefully uh, we at least accomplished, like, you guys enjoyed the last 32 minutes to some extent. If not, whatever, at least you wasted some time. Uh, 11 a.m., you may have heard, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Missouri and Georgia, we will be there. Um, we'll probably do a podcast next week to preview – the bye week, which will also <laughs> kick off at 11 a.m. at Faro Field. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.